You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We've made it to the end of the week, which means we're previewing the Week 10 games. We do have a signing finally as it pertains to Odell Beckham. We know where he is going now, so we can close the book on that saga of the Cleveland to now Los Angeles. Odell Beckham at BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. McDonald's, I'm loving it. All right. Odell in L.A. now, Matt. Odell Beckham has chosen the Los Angeles Rams over the Green Bay Packers as his destination. According to Ian Rappaport, Rams gave Odell a one-year deal worth up to $4.25 million, source said. It's a 500 k signing bonus. $750,000 $750,000 base salary. So much of that 4.25 is in incentives over $3 million worth. Um, and really, to get all of it, it's team-based incentives with how they finish the regular season, the postseason. So Super Bowl champions, Odell might get 4.25. So that would be the best of both worlds, I think, for Odell Beckham. And uh, essentially, yeah, so it's $1.25 million when you combine the bonus and the $750,000 for the rest of the year with those $3 million in bonuses the rest of the way going for I mean we just saw Deshaun Jackson want out because he wasn't getting the ball enough do you think Odell's going to start having problems I saw a funny tweet earlier this morning about uh, Odell Beckham senior firing up his uh, his editing machine for uh, (laughs) to make a, a slideshow about all the Cooper Cup targets if his son Odell Jr. is not getting targets in Los Angeles I don't know I, I feel like there might have been more targets coming Odell's way with the Packers yeah, or, or any other team, really, that was rumored to be in it. A um, couple takeaways from this is, you know, I, I said the exact same thing yesterday about Carolina with Newton. Obviously, a very aggressive organization. You know, I mean, they don't value draft picks all that much, especially top ones. They want players. They want to win now. They're a very good football team. And they're going to go get guys. And I think part of the Rams logic was, playing a little defense too. make sure he doesn't end up in green Bay or you're not playing against them or competing for NFC spots against an Odell team, you know, the saints or the the Packers, especially. Um, I wonder, did the town have some allure to Beckham? I mean, does he want to be in LA with the stars Mm -hmm. and total guess by me, but it sure seems like that would fit the persona. Um, I'm not sure people realize this, but, the Rams are the heaviest 11 personnel team in the league with one back, one tight end, three receivers. So in order to keep that up, you really need four. And I I think Van Jefferson's a really good player. From what I understand, they love Van Jefferson. I think Van Jefferson's been groomed to be Woods' successor maybe as soon as next year. So I don't know how many targets Beckham gets or – snaps but I think you want four if you're going to live in 11 personnel I think that's clear the the Deshaun Jackson thing doesn't make much sense um with with this whole scenario so I kind of squinting at this situation but it's interesting because Odell 
if he hits all those incentives, it could actually potentially make more than he would have in Cleveland for the second half of the year. And it's not tied at all into personal stat. Like Odell could never play a snap and they win the Super Bowl and he still gets all that money, which is interesting. So um, mm. it's not tied into those targets. So his, his pocketbook isn't tied into the targets, but his mental health may be still. It absolutely could be. And, you know, I mean, the Rams had Jefferson, Cup, Woods, and this offseason they drafted Atwell with their first pick and signed Deshaun Jackson. Like, they're telling you they need more than three. And they want, <laughs> they're telling you they want speed, too. Because those are all kind of the top three guys are all medium speed guys. And they're all really good players, but they're all very similar. And they get open, they make the catch, don't really have dynamic downfield speed, don't do a ton after the catch. Yes. And. I'm not sure Odell is a take-the-top-off guy anymore, but I think he probably qualifies. He would qualify as the best deep threat still just because of the ball skills, If even if he's not running by people. I think that's fair. Yeah, no doubt. And obviously he can break off a route and, and do those things. So we'll see how that turns out for Odell Beckham in Los Angeles. I didn't think it was the best fit or the most need, but of course, you know the Rams are going to go hard after anybody. And um, it's a lot of big names and big personalities in the locker room too now. So that's the other aspect of this Odell Beckham Jr. thing. Um, we'll see Von Miller's debut on Monday night. Don't think we will see OBJ on Monday night. That's too soon to get him ready to play. But um, it's uh, it's a lot of names could could the Rams potentially, who were already a really good team before the Von Miller trade, they were seven and one. Could they potentially hurt themselves by just adding too much, too many personalities to that locker room? Could uh, I mean, how often in NFL history have quote dream teams really worked out? You know, when you bring in a lot of big name guys from outside the organization that have big personalities. I mean, generally speaking, that doesn't result in hoisting Lombardi trophies. Um, I think I'd take Odell as I think I'd put his locker right next to Aaron Donald's, you know, and just you guys get to be friends. And if you have any issues, you can take them up with AD. I don't know if Odell was just going to choose LA no matter what, but what's interesting in this with the Packers who have gone to the NFC championship game, apparently with the way these deals are structured and the incentives are structured, if he went to the Packers and they offered him the same deal, it would change the dynamic of the contract because it would become likely to earn incentives to go to the NFC Championship game where it's not for the Rams. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. So the Packers couldn't really compete with the Rams' offer even if they offered the same offer. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I was just sitting here thinking the the Saints have like 10 cents of cap space. So, I mean, maybe they just were incapable of doing it. And you mentioned the Green Bay situation. I mean, rumor has it they were offering him league minimum. I mean, that was before he had you know, made a deal with the Rams. And my first thought was Green Bay versus L.A. I mean, are there any two cities of the 32 franchises that are any different than Green Bay and L.A.? <laughs> right, yeah, a lot <laughs> different. And look, I mean, if Odell wants to – a lot of this for Odell, I'm th- yeah, it, it, clearly he wants to win. That, that has to be part of this, right? So I'm sure he wasn't um, going to the Jags. But if he know. wanted to make the most money, he would tie himself to the best quarterback with the most targets, and I think that would have been in, in Green Bay. Yes, because there's another phase of this too is what's the best tape I can put out for the next contract? Exactly. Yeah. And right now, I don't think – like teams were – incentive-laden contracts, you know, at, at minimum. And obviously, teams don't have their full salary capabilities like they will in the offseason. But I don't think the market's going market's to be massive for Odell Beckham next year unless he really has to go out there and prove 
and put on a display. And I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity with the Rams. I mean, maybe just a few catches is enough to show the guy he still is. But, you know, he had that same opportunity and more of an opportunity in Cleveland for the most part. So I don't know. We'll find out. Although I think Stafford and Odell could be a pretty dynamic combination if Odell is still that same guy. And I guess we'll find out. Yeah. And I don't think he's I mean, this is a player. I don't think he's cooked. Um, I, I think that there was a big disconnect in Cleveland and injuries are a huge thing. And I don't think he's a player he used to be. Um, this kind of reminds me a little bit of Antonio Brown, though. I mean, when he finally found the spot that he could pick, you know, he got traded to the Raiders with an established quarterback. A.B. was an angel, you know what I mean? Like, at least for a short stretch. You know, I, I would be shocked if Odell rocks a boat at all the rest of this season. I mean, he picked the Rams. They're winning. Um, one other side note too. I mean, I don't know what his market will be this off season, but I do know there's a lot of free agent wide receivers hitting the market this, this year. It, that, that's one of the richer positions, you know, led by Godwin and Devonte Adams. And I don't know what Allen Robinson's worth anymore, but I mean, it, there, there's a lot of receivers on the market this year. It seems to always be just the most stacked position in the NFL draft every year at this point, too. And I think I saw something Absolutely. recently about, you know, five or six more guys projected to be first round type um, receivers. Uh, and, you know, some of them we've seen for a while. Olave is one of them. And there's three or four that are ranked ahead of them, according to some of the, the rankings I'm looking at right now. And I haven't really done much of a dive into uh, the, the draft prospects yet, but I expect it to be a lot of guys there as well. Always so is. teams within the market should be able to find uh, either a veteran or a rookie that that fits what they're looking for. Yeah. Oh, without it's never a hard position to find. All right. Let's move along to a game that um, was just downright ugly, Matt. Th- this was much uglier than the nine to six Bills Jaguars game from last week. Even though there were there ended up being more points scored, thankfully uh, because of the fourth quarter of this football game. But the Miami Dolphins knocking off the Ravens, twenty-two to ten. We'll cover that next. Then preview the rest of the Sunday schedule, late Sunday games, Sunday night and Monday night football coming up. Folks, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get a tasty, affordable food. Uh, It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect and gather. I mean, a a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and all the French fries and McFlurries you could ever want. Uh, Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can come to recharge and meet up. Uh, It's a place where you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. It's always one of my favorite spots for that. So... Head to your local McDonald's and refuel and reconnect. And maybe you guys could even listen to the podcast while you're at it. So good stuff. Go check out McDonald's. I'm loving it. Thank goodness, Matt, for Robert Hunt. Giving us the highlight of the game, even though it didn't count uh, up until that point of the game. I mean, what a snoozer it was and really just an argument to not have Thursday night football games altogether. And the Ravens would probably be the first to tell you that uh, after getting shocked with the home underdog Dolphins 22 to 10. This wasn't even uh, really that close in the end, although it was close for most of the game. It was only 6 to 3. You were waiting for that Baltimore Ravens offense to wake up, and it kind of never did. No, it never really did. And yeah, it was a snoozer, but I enjoyed it. I mean, it, that I thought going into this game, I, again, I don't know who's good in the AFC, but the 6 and 2 Ravens were 
pretty darn close to being four and four, really. I mean, <laughs> they, they've had some breaks and they take advantage of it. And Justin Tucker helps. And, you know, the two and seven Dolphins were one of the more surprising teams to this point, too. I mean, they have some guys and they, they obviously were better last year. And so maybe both these teams showed us a little bit of what they're truly capable of. Um, a couple of key things I just wanted to comment on, though. I mean, the Dol- or the Ravens looked like they were moving the ball their first two drives very easily. And the Dolphins bowed up and made them you know, settle for three on their first drive. The next drive, also a field goal attempt, Tucker misses it. So I thought that set the tone because I thought if the Ravens could have gotten the end zone or maybe even 6-0, but more like 10-0 or let alone 14-0 right off the bat, that this game would have gone drastically different and the Ravens could have ravened it up from that point on. And, um, you know, the, the, this game was 6-3 when the fourth quarter started. So, I mean, that would have been a massive lead the way that the rest of the game went. Um, I'm not excusing anything, but I thought the humidity probably and, and heat probably hurt the Ravens a little bit, especially late in the game. Um, I thought a couple things were pretty interesting, though, too, and I bet we see more of it in – they started to highlight it as the game went on, but the the Dolphins played a very unique defense. It was almost like they didn't play with linebackers. It was like a seven-man front and then a four-deep shell that wasn't all that deep, and the Ravens just couldn't figure it out. You yeah, know I mean? I, that was going to be my biggest takeaway is the yeah. Ravens couldn't figure out at all what the Dolphins were doing, and, and it was a tweak on what they do, but they're kind of always, you know, that cover one, cover zero, a lot of um, a man coverage. They lean on their secondary quite a bit and in this game they did that but brought everybody down a little bit and there was never enough time for Lamar Jackson to get that deep play I mean he, t- he targeted Marquise Brown 13 times he only had six catches for 37 yards so no big plays there Bateman ended up leading um, with 80 receiving yards and you know a couple of those were late just you know at the at the boundary to try to get out of bounds to try to to get the ball moving as they were trying to come back uh, with not a lot of time left on the clock Lamar Jackson himself uh, Devontae Freeman, nobody could really get the ball going on the ground because there was a lot of players around the line of scrimmage there, yeah. even though it wasn't a big, as far as weight, front for the Dolphins. So kudos, right. this game was won by the defensive coordinator of the Dolphins and lost by the offensive coordinator of the Ravens, I thought. That, that was my biggest takeaway and in, in what really won and lost this game. Yeah, again, they, they had a lot of athletes in that front seven. It wasn't like nose tackles galore. I mean, guys that can run with Lamar and... Uh, probably are better athletes than Freeman and Bell at this stage. I have a new crush, and that's on Javon Holland, the second-round pick safety. I mean, he was a key member there of a front seven, not the back four, of just playing the edge, aggressive. I mean, anytime you can find a safety that can blitz, that can play deep, that can play man, and oh, by the way, is their number one punt returner, this guy's going to be special, and I think he's a great, great young player um also wanted to give a little shout out to coach flores too i mean my problems with the dolphins are more team building than flores you know problems i think flores is should not be on the hot seat i think he's a very very good coach and this was sort of that dolphins team we expected to see to start the year so very good sign for them if they can keep this momentum going and they won't be in that bottom tier of teams we've been talking about when we power rank things Uh, one more note here marlon humphrey after the game tweeted out that uh, the Miami Dolphins have a, a, a future top 10 wide receiver in the NFL 
in Jalen Waddle. So he was impressed by Waddle. Mm, Waddle didn't yeah. really go off in the in the stat book. He only had four catches for sixty one yards, but he impressed the best cover guy on the other side. I, I think Waddle's extremely impressive and starting to use him a little further down field too. I mean, the, the the Dolphins' offensive line is still a problem. We have to mention Tua came in this game too with a broken finger. Oh, yeah. I thought he played quite well. I mean, I thought he was better than Brissett, which you would expect, but I thought he's played pretty darn well. Um, I agree with Waddle. Him and Holland were their first two picks. I mean, I think that's really promising too, or you know, two early picks. Um, one last note on that seven-four type defense. I kept expecting. Bateman or Brown or Andrews, you know, hit them quick, break one tackle, and then they take it to the house. I mean, it's a risky move. Yes, and I thought it would be uh, Hollywood Brown that would get that play, or at least, you know, maybe uh, Lamar would dodge a couple of pass rushers, have some extra time, and then be able to find him deep. And they just never were able to do that, so... Kudos for uh, Dolphins for playing a sound scheme on the defensive side of the ball. But, yeah, I can't believe I, we didn't mention it yet. But, yeah, that the, the Tua thing was interesting. And first of all, I was like, well, what the hell are they even doing? Brian Flores at some point was basically like, I don't care if Tua's hurt. He's better than this Brissett thing. And Brissett's injured. He wants to come back in. Nah, sorry, Jacoby, you're going to sit. And we're going to bring in Tua. And he won the game for him. So, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, and he's clearly the best quarterback they have right now, even though he's been treated like um, a second-class citizen for the most part by the franchise, and we know he's not the guy of the future if they're able to pull off this uh, Deshaun Watson thing in the offseason. But, you know, I think Tua's come through this looking pretty well with what's going on too. with the Dolphins in 2021. You know, maybe teams aren't Watson. knocking down their door to trade for him to be their next number one, but he's going to have some options, I think. I think so, too. I mean, I think he's... Going to be a solid NFL starter, and, and since he returned from his injury a couple of weeks ago, I think he's played pretty well and, and is getting better. Um, I don't know that he'll be Herbert Burrow, you know, the guys who was drafted around, but I, I think he'll be a quality starter. And, and I guess Flores said after the game, when of course some a reporter asked him, he's like, Tua is our starter. You know, I mean, like, make no mistake. Yeah. I mean, if he's ready, if that, and he proved it. The finger was holding him out, and it turned out even with the finger, it didn't matter. He's still the best quarterback uh, on the roster. One more quick note, actually, from this game. Isaiah Ford, he was yeah. a seventh-round pick in 2017, then had a knee injury. I can't remember if it was ACL or what it was, but he missed his entire rookie season. I think he bounced on and off the practice squad. The fact that he hung on this long with the same franchise that drafted him, and it's been that long, uh, kudos to Isaiah Ford coming out and making some plays in this game because I really liked him coming out of Virginia Tech and I'd almost forgotten he was still on the Dolphins roster and it's, it's really odd for a player to hang with the same team that drafted him that late for that long and never really get any traction with that team but he's kind of just always been around there with the Dolphins and, and made some plays and was nearly their leading receiver in this one yeah good one because I wanted to mention him and Albert Wilson. I mean, those two combined for 171 receiving yards and eight catches. You know, well, like the, <laughs> 64 <laughs> of, of Albert Wilson's yards. That one was really funny to me because I was just, you know, sitting on the couch laughing at him. He's like flexing. It was like, oh, great job not getting covered, Albert Wilson. Like, you, you didn't really, you weren't the main part of why that play worked. But, you know, good job. You, you had 64 yards. Yeah. I mean, no Fuller, no Parker. You know, I mean, these guys all made some plays. Last shout out. And this is just kind of a personal note. My man, Adam Shaheen, the only Pitt-Johnstown player in the league where yours truly went to school. Hey. We don't have a football team, but Adam played uh, basketball at UPJ and then transferred to some tiny school. So Yeah, the powerhouse. He, he counts. I love that, having an NFL players. Uh, I, I think wh- – Who's the school? I, there was, this, there was a, a good thing with Bucky Brooks and, and Daniel Jeremiah about um, – uh, I can't remember. No, no, it was – 
who was it? I don't know. Anyway, it was something about Appalachian State having more players drafted than uh, somebody else's powerhouse. I think it might have been Tennessee. It might have been with. Oh, I bet it's true. I think yeah. it was Tennessee who didn't have anybody drafted one year, and Appalachian State had one guy drafted. Um, but you could probably. Might have been Michigan. <laughs> I don't. I'm trying to think of who the the co-host was that he was. The Buckies from North Carolina. It was in North Carolina. I think it was yeah. Tennessee and. Um, uh, Oh geez, who's what's his name? The uh, the broadcaster from Tennessee, really good broadcaster. Um, Charles Davis. Charles Davis, yes, thank you. Okay, Charles. I think it was maybe Charles Davis was a guest on this podcast, and that's who he was he was giving it to because no, uh, App State had a guy and Tennessee did not. But now you have that bragging rights about your oh, alma mater UB, and UBJ Adam Shaheen being in the NFL. You, you meet anybody? Team. They go went to a college that even has a football team and say, "Hey, my college doesn't even have a football team, and I got a guy in the NFL, and you guys don't." <laughs> We got lots to cover. Let's move on to these games. All right. How about the Panthers and Cardinals on Sunday? We will have at least one shot for P.J. Walker. This is your one opportunity here, and I don't know if it matters. I don't know if he can play well enough to hold off Cam Newton here. I don't know if Cam Newton's a PR stunt uh, to try to mask what the record is for the Panthers or if he's going to lead them somewhere or if P.J. Walker has an opportunity, but... um, I like P.J. Walker, and I'm interested to see how he takes on the best team in the NFL right now in the Arizona Cardinals, who are 8-1, and one, and it's the Panthers on the road at 4-5. and five. Cardinals at home favored by 10.5 points. Yeah, and I read today, and I don't know if I believe it, that they're going to have a package for Cam Newton, or they might have a package for Cam Newton. Like, I, I, and that seems awful early, but I, guess, I mean, who knows? I mean, if it's just goal line... Right, uh, QB Basically sneak. You know cat, that's pretty you know. easy to put in, or just a you know a draw quarterback mm-hmm. draw, and then maybe a play action off of that. I don't know. You know something like that. Very you put in a package sense. of five plays. He's a professional quarterback, but it probably won't be much. Right, because they signed Matt Barkley too. I mean, they got all these quarterbacks right. in the building all of a sudden. Um, Kyler, from what I read, did something today. So obviously that's huge of who we're picking in this game. But the Cardinals are fighting a lot of injuries. I'm going to take the points. I mean, not the Cam Newton matters, but I think something like that could invigorate a, a football team. I think the card or the Panthers' defense is pretty darn good. They seem pretty healthy on that side of the ball. Um, the, the Carolina O line really worries me against that, you know, Chandler Jones and those dudes. But McCaffrey's back, and I think he gets a full workload. I think they keep it close. Yesterday, I'm kicking myself now. I almost want to go back to all my picks yesterday, and there, there was too many, There, especially the home underdogs, and you see that game that happened on Thursday. These are NFL teams, and, and there's not that much of a disparity between even good teams and bad teams, and there, there's a lot of, it seems like they're haves and have-nots, but man, I, I think I picked way too many favorites yesterday, so I feel like I want to yeah, go maybe right. overcorrect even in the other direction because, you know, 10 points is, is pretty big, and I think the... Panthers have a pretty good defense. Um, I, I think Sam Darnold's been bad, so I don't care if it's Barkley or Walker or Cam. I don't care who it is. Like I, They're not going to get worse quarterback play, most likely, just by not right. turning the ball over. So, um, you know, a, another week post-injury from, you know, a superstar running back. They've got some receivers to throw the ball there. So when you talk about DJ Moore, who had some drops on top of the interceptions thrown by Sam Darnold, I just – I think the Panthers can keep this close enough. I'm going with the dog, and I, I might even change some of my other picks from yesterday and go with some of those home dogs especially. So, yeah, g- give me the Panthers, and I'll take those 10.5 points here. And Kyler Murray looks like he is going to play, and he says he feels way better, and he was a game-time decision last week. But he's not going to be the, the 
the runner he was just because it's an ankle injury. So that might help that Panthers defense, at least knowing where the quarterback's going to be most of the time. Yeah, and that's a fast young defense as well. I mean, I'm with you on the under or the uh, the betting the favorite stuff from yesterday too. Like I've been dealing with this all week. On I, I keep getting asked, can the Steelers possibly lose to the Lions? Of course they can. Yes, you know, they, can. I mean, <laughs> they almost yeah. lost to the Bears last week. Right, right. I mean, the Bills just got beat by the Jags. Did you watch the game last night? I mean, yeah, they possibly can. I mean, are they going to blow out every team? You know, I mean, it, it, so that that's the question I've got a hundred times this week. Yeah, they could possibly lose. I had a question from a listener asking us: Are the are the Chargers just fraudulent? Are they just not even close to the team we thought they were? And I'm getting worried about that. And and I, I'm still on the Chargers bandwagon, but they're disappointing me, Matt, at, at five and three. But they are hosting the Minnesota Vikings this week, who uh, have done an even better job of finding ways to lose. Uh, and the Chargers at home favored by three points. I don't think the Vikings travel as good as some other teams, but I know we've made the joke on the podcast about Chargers playing, you know, 16 away games or 17 away games this year because they don't have a home field advantage. But they're favored by three. I think they're a three-point better team, at least on a neutral field. So give me those Chargers against the Vikings. Yeah, it's probably a neutral field. I'm sure they'll be purple in the stands. I mean, there's no question. I mean, um, I don't know what to think. Are they a fraudulent team? I think it's a young coach, a young quarterback that's learning their way still that have great, great potential. And I really think the Staley defense isn't doesn't quite have the right chess pieces yet. You know, that I think that'll be an offseason priority is get a defensive tackle that can, you know, eat up space so that he can you know, play the scheme he wants. And as a result, man, I wish I had Dalvin Cook on my my, my team this week for fantasy. I, I bet he goes bonkers. I don't like where the Vikings are at, though, either. You know, I mean, I feel like something's missing with that team. I think I'll lay the points and trusting Herbert and Allen and Williams and Eklar and those guys. Could be a, a sneaky shootout here. I mean, there's so many good wins early on in the season, and then just uh, sort of things really flipped for them when they lost big to the Ravens, who laid an egg last night. They lost uh-huh. to the Patriots, who've had, had a nice little run the last few weeks, and then did narrowly get by the Eagles, who aren't a great team. I don't know what to expect about the Chargers, but I think I do know what to expect with the Vikings, which is also not good, so that's why. <laughs> and, 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 and Justin Herbert was hurt, and then Seeing him last week, just seeing him throw the ball again is like, oh yeah, okay, that's why I'm so in on the Chargers, him, yeah. and yeah, they'll, they'll get this thing right. I'm still, I'm still there with the Chargers. I still like him in the in the AFC West too, so I'm not scared off that easily, Matt. Are they your pick right now in the West? They are. They they were yeah, preseason too. too. I th- I thought I was shocking the world with my preseason pick, and the way the the Chiefs are going right now, it's still looking pretty okay. Although the Chiefs are coming, and the Chargers got to do some work. And oh yeah, there's the Raiders, and uh, everybody's over and 500 in that division, or or 500 or better. Or, yeah, over 500. The Broncos are five and four now too. So everyone's five or four or five or three in that division. The Chiefs and Raiders we'll get to in just a second when we come back. That is, and look, some hiccups for the Chargers this year, but. Find me an AFC team that hasn't, you know, what, at the bed at least once or twice this season already. Chiefs Raiders, Seahawks Packers, Eagles Broncos. Our picks next. A real easy way to get a little extra cash in your pocket at the end of the day, especially for those folks who are listening to podcasts and driving in their car a lot. Check out the Get Upside app. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas, every time they fill up, just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back 
Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. I have the app. It's super easy to use. You open up the app, find out which gas stations are participating near you, claim it, go there, fill up your gas tank as you normally would, then guess what? You get cash back on that fill-up added directly to your account. It's super easy. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card. Just download the free GetUpside app. Earn yourself a little extra cash back when you get gas and use promo code TOUCHDOWN when you do it. Okay, those Denver Broncos at 5-4, and four, they're hosting the 3-6 and six Eagles. I was. Tr- this is one of those games where I saw the teams and I thought, okay, what would I put this line at? And I thought, yeah, you know, this line should probably be, with what we saw from the Broncos last week, maybe a three-point line. They're favored by two and a half. So, Broncos by a field goal. Give me the Broncos here over the Eagles. Yeah, me too. A um, couple things of note. I know Denver has some defensive injuries, but I really think Fangio versus Hurts is still a massive win for Denver. Um, I often look at when you know an NFC team goes to Denver, like how many Eagles have ever played in this kind of altitude? I bet there's very, very few. And to me, it's still a massive advantage. Doesn't matter the time of year or any of those type of things. I also think the Eagles defense is very vanilla. Um, I don't know if they'll run on the Broncos particularly well. Denver's got a lot of weapons. I'm really enjoying how Williams and Judy are playing the last couple of weeks. I expect only more and more from them. Teddy won't kill you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the I'll, I'll lay the points here. It's not like the Broncos are scoring a lot of points. They scored 30 last week, but before that, it was, you know, 17, 14, 24, 19, 7. So not a powerhouse offense. Getting Judy back helps. Tim Patrick, one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL. Can they put a few points up on the board? Because we know the Eagles aren't going to put up any points either. So 45 and a half, I might just go under on this one and and predict Mm. something like a, you know, 17, 14 win for the Broncos. You know, 2017, something like that. This will help your under bet, though. Denver has three of their starting offensive linemen that are questionable and or out. You know, I mean, we do know the Eagles front is still pretty decent. You know, I mean, Hargrave and Cox are, you know, a really good pairing. Two teams we thought might end up with Odell Beckham in this mix. Neither one of them got him. It's the Seahawks at three and five getting Russell Wilson back, heading to the Packers in Green Bay, who are at seven and two. And hopefully, we don't know for sure yet, getting Aaron Rodgers back. So is this Geno Smith versus Jordan Love, or is this Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers? Those are two very different things. (laughs) Two very different things. I mean, I'm operating under the assumption noon Eastern Friday that we're getting Wilson versus Rodgers, which will make all of our viewing pleasure much greater and should be a really awesome shootout. And with that assumption... I think Rodgers has been embarrassed the last 10 days or whatever, and that scares me if I'm a Seahawks fan. I think you see A-plus version of Aaron Rodgers, and I think you can see a really good version of Wilson, too, who's had a tremendous year. But in Green Bay, they got the better team to begin with. I don't think Seattle's defense is great by any stretch. I like the Packers' D better. 
Um, I will lay the points. We did we say a minute ago we're taking too many home favorites, but uh, <laughs> well, no, I well, think it, I have for every game. Yesterday it was all the the home underdogs, and that's the ones that make me oh, nervous. Yeah, yeah. The home favorites I like a little bit more, uh, but, but I was we were taking away favorites yesterday, and I, I almost want to flip all those and say just give me all those home dogs with those big lines too. Uh, but in this one, the Packers are just have played out played flat out better ball, even when Russell Wilson was in there for the Seahawks. I think both teams get a boost. Um, there was the question actually, and, and we don't have a lot of time to get into this, but there was a question on Twitter this week addressed to us, which team did we learn is, is most like, and I, I guess the answer is just flat out both, but which team misses their quarterback more essentially between these two teams, the Packers and the Seahawks. Gino is better than I thought. So I guess I'll say Green Bay. Yeah. Although, you know, we had a good conversation with Peter earlier. I mean, I'm, people killed Love too much for that, you know. I mean, but I think Rodgers wins that game by 20. I think down the road, Love, if he played as many games as Geno Smith has, then it would maybe look a lot different. But Geno Smith at least is a veteran quarterback, and I think that's a huge difference. So I would, I would say Packers, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Oh, three and a half. Uh, Green Bay Seahawks. Good number. Oh. It's be a fun game. Uh, I'm gonna go Seahawks. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give up the. I'm gonna take those three and a half points. I'm gonna go Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson's going to hit DK, and I think the Packers are gonna have a huff, tough time there covering of those Seahawks wide receivers. Okay. Okay. Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. Deshaun Jackson now in-house. Is he just going to replace that Henry Ruggs role? Are we going to be able to see some big plays down the field from that Raiders offense who took a loss last week and it really looked like everything sort of started to take a toll for Las Vegas there. The Chiefs not really looking great, but still holding their heads above water. This is a big one in the AFC West, Matt. Who you got here? Kansas City on the road, favored by two and a half. Here's that home dog. Huge game. Huge game. Um. I don't know who the better team is. I mean, I think the Chiefs in prime time are very dangerous, and I bet Mahomes is a little embarrassed as well, and we could have that Chiefs blow up 45-point day. But I'm tired of saying that every Friday. I'm going to take the Raiders. I just want points in this game. If KC was getting two and a half, I'd take KC. If the Vegas was getting a half, I'd take the half. I, I think this is an even game, so I want points. I don't know where this game started, but I want that three points instead of the two and a half. So I might wait until yeah. Sunday to to place this bet. But uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm taking the home dog here. Give me those points and the Las Vegas Raiders because the Chiefs just have not looked good at all. Well, and um, that building it's crazy at this up. point in the year to be much more confident in the Raiders, especially with what's gone on with that franchise than the Kansas City Chiefs. It's amazing. Yeah, and again, that division's crazy right now too. Yeah. I mean. I just picked the Broncos to win, but we picked the Chargers to win. This is a pivotal game. Neutral field, still like the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a sleeping giant. You know, if that line starts to go in the other direction, maybe I would go Chiefs here. One or two points, maybe. Uh, even for sure, Chiefs. Three points, give me Raiders. It's kind of where I'm at on this game. All right. As far as home dogs go, the San Francisco 49ers, they should be six or seven point dogs it's only three yeah, and a half I was gonna points say the same thing to you. and it, it started at four points now it's three and a half so money's coming in on the niners i don't know how you can bet on the 49ers at this point and the rams with so much juice i'm sure there's an extra hop in their step and then you might get von miller versus tom compton at right tackle because mike mcglinchy tore his quad and he's out for the year yeah, i hate right. that matchup for jimmy garoppolo and the 49ers offense and oh yeah their defense didn't look great last week either uh against colt mccoy so what's it going to look like against 
all those receivers we talked about, Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson and Robert Woods, and who knows, maybe Odell does sneak in there and play some snaps. I doubt it, but um, I don't like this at all for the 49ers. Three and a half points is, is not enough. This should be six points, seven points. Then we might start talking about taking the 49ers in this one, but uh, I'll give up those points and I'll take the Rams. Yeah, I think this is an overreaction to how the Rams looked last week. I mean, I I thought before that game they were maybe the best team in the league. And, you know, you mentioned the McGlinchey injury. Trent Williams is an unbelievable football player, by the way, and one of the best linemen I've ever seen. But the rest of this line, the guard situation isn't wonderful. Well, you know who the guards are going to be blocking. You know, I mean, and yeah. interior pressure versus Jimmy would worry me a little bit or a lot, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think the Niners secondary is a good matchup. This number seems wrong. Yep, it, it seems very wrong. Uh, a few things here. And, and Shan, I think part of it is that Shanahan, uh, and a lot of what happens with betting lines and bettors is they look for trends and they see how the 49ers own the Rams and Shanahan owns McVay. I will argue this. It's not so much Shanahan owning McVay recently. It's Robert Sala and the 49ers defensive line owning mm. Jared Goff. And that Man, doesn't exist anymore for the 49ers because Goff is so bad under pressure and the 49ers defensive line has been good and really getting after him and, and, and making bad things happen for that Rams offense. So this is a very different team and they don't have that advantage anymore. And oh yeah, Dan Brunskill's actually done a really good job in his career at right guard against Aaron Donald. So much so that they're, you know, they've, you know, called him the, the, uh, the, the Aaron Donald eraser and Donald gets mm, asked about it after the game. And that worries me because that means not only do you have Aaron Donald, and Von Miller out there, you get angry Aaron Donald who might want to get a little revenge. That scares me too, so I don't like any part of this for the Niners. Give me the Rams. Yeah, I, I agree. There we go. That is the Week 10 schedule as Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock seeing it. Thanks, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every single day. We'll be back Monday to break it all down right here on the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show.